Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome this, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I'm always in search for the very best getting their insights, distinctions, how they see the world, applying those concepts and sharing them with the world. So today I have a very interesting guest, Sophie, coming from Vancouver, Canada, but she's going to talk to us all about unlocking growth through the power of community. And through community, she builds transformational membership experiences for businesses with premium programs. So Web3 and everything is going to be all about community. And if you're looking for recurring incomes, community and memberships is the way to go. So Sophie, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. I know we had connected through Podmat, which is kind of like the Airbnb um, (laughs) podcasting guests. So tell the audience about your origin story, how you got started, and we'll go from there. Sure. So um, I have been in the community building space for about 20 years now, um, which seems really uh, like a long time. And most people are like, were there communities back there on the internet? And there sure were. Um, I started playing in the online world uh, just as I hit university. And, you know, online community building was not an official title in those days. Uh But one of the things that I heard a lot Um, As I was exploring the internet and learning about this new technology that was just coming up was that people were really skeptical about being able to create real human connection using a computer, which sounds ludicrous nowadays, uh, especially with ChatGPT in the works and everything else. Um, And I wouldn't say I did it consciously, but throughout my career, I've kind of been on a mission to prove people wrong with that and go like, I think that technology doesn't replace human connection, but I think it can greatly enhance it and also expand the possibility for a lot of people to connect with humans that they would never meet in their day to day. And I think that was the most appealing thing to me as a like wide eyed new adult in that time. I was talking to people all over the world and seeing the impact it was having on my life then. Um, so I did quite a few years in corporate where um, I got to play with all of the new online and emerging technologies because I had more knowledge than the average uh, worker at that time, which afforded me a lot of great opportunities to test and play and build community in new ways as technology was evolving. So it started with things like you know, corporate intranets and 
conferences that were now being brought into the online world and all those things. And then eventually ended up with me leaving corporate and starting my own consultancy. So nowadays I work with a lot of small businesses, entrepreneurs, and even professional associations on building membership-based spaces online that really facilitate their ability to create those connections and help people be at their best. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I really love how you describe, you know, all of um, the, your journey. So we'll, we'll go into um, kind of the the um, nuts and bolts of the talk. And, you know, the first thing is that I'm not sure if the audience is aware, but, you know, Web3 now it's all about empowerment and kind of the creators and influencers have direct access to their communities. You don't have to go through like Instagram or Twitter. Um, and so talk about leveraging the power of community to create growth and scale impact in your business. Yeah. So the way I do it is to create, you know, for-profit models of community where we're actually charging a membership fee and the product is actually the experience you're creating for people, right? But I think community at its core is gaining momentum for a couple of reasons. One is we are seeing a huge shift in the consumer marketplace where they are wanting to do business with people who align deeply with their values. That can be really hard to gauge on a social media platform where people are putting their best foot forward all the time. And it's kind of a short interaction, right? Whereas community allows you to build a space where your biggest fans, your biggest advocates are able to gather, not just connect with you, but connect with the people that are, you know, attached to you or are, are following you. So it creates a much deeper sense of connection and trust. And it allows you to create that space that really showcases who you are as a brand. I think the other piece is also you know, with social media changing so heavily towards a for-profit model where there's a lot of advertising space, everyone is competing for attention in the algorithm and the newsfeed, having a community that you own, in a sense, on your own platform allows you to really limit that attention and that distractibility, right? Facebook is not built to keep your members of your community in your Facebook group, for instance. It is built for advertising dollars, for maximum clicking on the website. So it's very easy for people to get distracted and go completely off from what you are trying to sell and give them as an experience. The community allows you to centralize that back in your turf and it allows for people to get really creative with the types of experiences they're creating because they can build the platform to adapt to what they know their customer needs versus having to do what the platform allows them to do. Mm. Yeah, so well said. World is growing more decentralized. What advice would you give to a business owner who's considering community business model but is worried about the workload? Yeah. So building community does not come without work, right? It is a little bit just like building your audience on social media comes with its own territory. Building community and facility is its unique set of skills. You're not just creating content, but you're actually creating a container where people actually want to hang out and be entertained. I often compare it to... Um, the difference of building an audience, which is really inviting people to the room while you're on stage speaking to them, 
versus inviting them to a networking event where you're not the main attraction. The main attraction is the people they can meet and the connections they can make. People can get really intimidated with that because they now have to shift their thinking. And especially with someone who has a lot of education, who's known as an expert in their field, the really big shift they have to do is really change their mindset from being the expert at the front of the room to actually being the curator of an experience and being the person with the spotlight going, hey, this is a person worth knowing, or here's a resource. So I think the really important thing when you are considering building a community space for profit is to really stop and think about one, your capacity, and two, how that capacity meshes with what the people you want to attract need. Really getting clear and getting real with where's the sweet spot is in between so that you can either resource yourself with people who can support you or you can build within your capacity so that you are not overwhelming yourself with the workload. And that's where I see the biggest lapse in communities. Over 70% of communities actually fail. And if you look at why they failed, most of the time it's because they haven't adequately measured the impact they can create with what they what they actually need to deliver and decided for themselves if that workload is is possible. Yeah, it's it's really hard building a community and um it's actually um you know uh it's it's takes a lot of work but it's always you know a value add and once you get the community up and running it's it can be vibrant and so one thing is uh, we talk about creative ways to monetize your community beyond membership fees. So mm-hmm. so tell us more about that. Yeah, so I can actually give you uh, a few examples. So I have a, a client who is in the healthcare space um, who did create a community for uh, new graduates where he was teaching them the business skills of owning a healthcare practice. One of the things that surprised him early on was how quickly he was able to find other revenue sources within his community. So for example, once he had his membership, once he had his first 100 members, he started getting really appealing to companies who wanted to speak to those people and didn't have a very focused container to do so. So he started getting offers for sponsorship, which was a revenue source he had never even considered. Within the first six months of his community, he landed six five-figure sponsorships off the bat. To the point where, in his case, his goal was really to offer his knowledge to students so that they could get out in the marketplace and thrive. He was able to subsidize the membership fee for his students. For someone else, that could just be the profit behind the the thing or a way to invest in new things, right? There's anything that has to do with planning some kind of event in the real world. So one way to strengthen an online community is to actually offer a hybrid experience where members have the opportunity to connect with each other in person and have those conversations and make those connections, but also coming back to the online space for the everyday, you know, banter back and forth. Um, I have a lot of clients who actually end up expanding into offering events and charging for them, uh, which is another avenue. And you can go as, as, simple as offering merchandise sometimes. If you create an experience that's powerful enough that people really identify with, they'll want the t-shirts and the swag and all those things that can be offered right now for really simple, you know, dropship options and things like that. So there's definitely a huge variety of things if you start thinking creatively. And if you build that base experience 
correctly so that people are strongly attached to your community, they'll actually start telling you what they want. Um, and then your job is just to listen and go, can I make that happen? Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, there's so many different ways of monetizing it. But, you know, in a sense, you're not building the community to make money off of it, but it's used to sustain. It's almost like a, it's like community is like the new asset in in the new Web3 realm. One thing is, so which leads me to the next question is balancing the need to generate revenue and return on investment for the business with the desire to create positive, meaningful experience for me the members. Yeah, that's, that is the balance, right? And <laughs> like you said, and I, I, that's a really, um, a point that I start on really early when I'm working with clients is really how do we really balance the need for the business? Because you as even if you're just, you know, one person that's saying, hey, I want to do this as a side project, or I want to grow it into eventually my whole revenue source. Um, you need to consider your needs in the needs of the community. If you don't, you end up building something that takes off from under you. And that ends up taking up your time, making workload that's not worth it. Um, and that's usually when I see people start talking about needing to shut down groups. The opposite is leaning too far. That's when you, you're leaning into the needs of the members first, right? You're creating this experience. You're giving, giving, giving. I know in helping professions, the pattern I've seen, that tends to be the def default. They want to help and they give up too much. Uh, and it ends up overwhelming. The flip side of that is thinking too much about the business, which ends up turning your members off really at the end of the day. The members start feeling like they're in there to give you money all the time for every little thing. And that's when they start losing interest. So one of the most valuable things you can do is really, in addition to being like, how much can I give? which we talked about a few questions ago, is being really realistic around, okay, how much time, money, and energy is this going to cost me? And is this in line with the value I want it, I need from the community? Uh, if it's not, you need to make some adjustments. And then in reverse, checking in with your membership to see how, how close they're feeling to the community, how much value they feel they're getting out of it, and seeing if you can balance that equation as much as possible. It needs to be as close to 50-50 as possible for something to be sustainable from both ends. Um, yeah, I love that. It's all about the uh, community management. And my next, my next question is, um, with community as an asset, this is mm -hmm. something that hasn't been thought of before, because this is a, a new generation. When you look at these for example, brands, they have community. What are some of the um, value add points for community? Because you mentioned, you know, exclusivity could be token gated access, could be a lot of different things. But how does, you know, this process help individuals create a sense of exclusivity and value within their membership community such that people feel like, you know, they, they're getting their money's worth? I think the first thing that's really important here is getting very clear on the promise you're making in this community. What is this community for? And a lot of people don't think of community as a transformational tool, 
But the communities that I build always have a point A where people are entering and a point B where when by the time they've left, they've changed in some way. So whether in the example I gave earlier of a healthcare provider training new graduates on the business, they're you know running a practice. Point A was, I am a student. I am very skilled in medical jargon and how to treat my patients. I know nothing about running a business or a clinic and I need help. By the time they leave, they've hopefully acquired the skills they need to confidently lead their own practice or do business with partners or whatever else. So the way he built exclusivity in that experience is really understanding, okay, this is where we're leading people towards. What are the stepping stones in between that we need to support to make sure that people keep evolving and keep feeling like the community is the resource to go to? Once we started understanding that, that really made us understand, okay, as a student, I'm coming in from a place of a lot of uncertainty. One of the first things I need is reassurance that I'm in the right place. And I need to connect with other people who are having my problem. So from there, we were able to say, okay, we need a forum where people can connect and talk to one another. Absolutely. We also need the strong in-person component because they really don't want to feel like they're on their own in this. And we need to make sure that the faculty that is teaching them and helping them grow is really qualified and has done that. So he immediately went out and partnered with two other healthcare practitioners that had skills that he didn't because those skills were needed by his students. And that ended up creating an experience that helped the community members and built up their confidence in that way. And you can apply that to any community, right? As long as you understand the transformation you're promising them and the journey they're going through in between, that informs, do we need to do webinars? Do we need to do live events? The decisions of what to include and exclude become a lot easier to make. And you can also do the same thing once you understand that journey and the work that's required you can layer in, am I able to handle this workload by myself? What do I need to adjust if not? Uh, it reminds me of this, because um, I was, um, you know, the uh, there's a Yatsui from the, he's uh, of Animoca Brands and, you know, really pushing this space forward. And um, he talks about culture, brand, community as new assets. There's a, mm-hmm. These are the new assets in this new um, digital age. Yes. And, but, he, you know, he talks about, maybe you can highlight it, but how can business owners determine which features and functionalities are essential for their membership community? Could be merchandise, could be education, could be events, could be, um, you know, this feeling, you know, like, for example, like Gucci and Prada, you know, you you feel like you, you, this is your identity. So how do they prioritize these needs when evaluating different options? Yeah, I mean, I think the first step is really what we just talked about is mapping out what are we meant to do here? What are the needs that we are um, we are fulfilling? And it's important to go to the, the, the needs level and not just be like, well, here's the journey that people go through and whatever else. It's like, but what do they need at each step in there? And how do we start creating it? And if if you know that that customer is a more sophisticated customer, let's say we're building a community for Prada today, 
then you know that the experience needs to have a more luxury feel and don't typically respond well to mass market tactics, right? So that eliminates a whole category of like, okay, maybe we don't send an email newsletter to everyone. We have to customize it to every customer in some way. So maybe we need to bring some AI in there. I don't know. I Prada is not really my specialty. You know, you know that they like luxury fabrics, that they like a bespoke experience. So maybe if you're identifying at that point that, you know, we know they don't want to just be thrown in an online forum with everyone else. We're going to have to have in-person events that are high quality and luxury focused. That means that maybe they get a personalized gift when they come in. Maybe they have speakers that are, you know, well-known celebrities. You're going for everything that is prestige, but what you're using is that initial analysis of the journey and the type of person that you want to attract to the community to be able to weigh your decisions against that. Because there are a lot of tactics out there, right? There are a lot of possibilities, but if you know the person you're trying to attract, and what they're driven by, that helps make those decisions a lot fast, faster and easier. Yeah, this is a very, uh, very great. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation, building communities. You need a, you need, it's a, it's a whole different, it's different than building a business because you're dealing with people and, um, and you're dealing with intangibles. Uh, how can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you on social media, et cetera? Yeah, so I'm most active on LinkedIn. So if you search my name on LinkedIn, that's where uh, you'll find me, you know, all the time. Um, you can also find me, the easiest route is to my website, which is uh, www.com, and that's clworthy, uh, where you can find out my, my services and even, you know, link back to LinkedIn and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, let's thank uh, Sophie for coming on. Really interesting. Kind of as a side, are you part of the world of women and how um, a lot of communities are incorporating non-fungible tokens into this? Or And if so, how can people find out more from you? Um, I am not part of that world, but now I'm going to Google it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have not heard of that, but I was definitely, I'll take a look now that you've mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, just kind of like, I just threw it in there because um, it just, dawned on me that a lot of communities now, like for example, V Friends, um, you know, World of Women, it's a woman empowerment. They they're using these non-fungible tokens as um as gated access and gives you know gives you um access to events and um you know the underlying yeah, yeah, yeah. token you know goes up and down. Uh so but that's something that goes into the very product experience of a community. Uh, yeah. Well, excellent. Well, thanks so much. And um, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
wherever you are listening. If you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.